Thank you for listening to Cafecito with us. I'm Sarah. And I'm Diana. Please remember to subscribe. And leave us a review. Hello, hello. Hi to everyone. In this podcast episode, we're actually going to dive deeper into this concept of being 200%. This term was coined by Becky G in the TikTok that I saw. And here is a quick clip from her TikTok. I wanted to come on here and send all of my love to all my 200%ers out there. I just wanted you guys to know that you are not alone in the identity crisis that is our existence. When you are a 200%er, you are so connected to both sides of where you come from. You are so proud of where you were born, but you're also so proud that no matter where you were born, the history of your last name and those traditions were so present in your upbringing and in your childhood. And so it's hard to have to explain that to so many people every single day, all the time. And people doubt that every single day, all the time. And you're just like, no soy ni de aquí ni de allá. Entonces, ¿dónde me quedo? But it's really, really interesting because it really talks about this notion of us first gens really not belonging fully here in the U.S. and then also not fully belonging back to our um, homelands, I'm going to call it, our parents' homelands. And so we kind of have like this torn, like dual identity where we're like two American for in our case, the Ecuadorians. And then when we're in the United States, we're two Ecuadorian or Latino, Latinas for uh, the U.S. So it's kind of like this interesting tension that we live through. And I really appreciate that rather than saying, you know, we're like half and half or part of, you know, being American and part of being Ecuadorian, she actually says, no, we're 200%. Like we're 100% of this and we're also 100% of that. And I, I just thought that was such a beautiful way to frame, you know, our dual uh, nationality. And yeah, I, I, I'm just curious, Sarah, like how do you feel about that? And if you've struggled really, because I'm also assuming that this yeah. might have been a problem or a challenge, but, you know, share a little about your experience. Um, when you sent the TikTok to me, I was like, why haven't we all, and I don't know if people have used this sort of phrase right. to identify before, but it made sense when I was listening to it that like, of course it's 200%. You're not half, <laughs> you're a whole you're a whole of two things. Mm-hmm. And I'm not good with fractions, but like you're a whole of two uh. things. And it's like, <laughs> I can't. And, and I guess that's where the struggle comes from is, is when you want to do, or you, you think that you have to be 50, 50, you, you always feel like you're not enough. And that's by, mm-hmm. by definition saying it's 50, 50, like right. like half this, half that. But by using the term 200%, you're a hundred percent of one and a hundred percent, you're a whole being in both mm-hmm. spaces, mm-hmm. which is like, when you reflect on it, you're like, of course that makes, <laughs> and that makes me feel so good right? too, because I can function within both spaces. Well, mm-hmm. at, at a very proficient, you know, level in regards to struggling, I can't say that I did only because like growing up, my environment, everyone was this like 200 percenter. Mm-hmm. 
versus, you know, I, I went to a school where everyone was bilingual, whether that was like Spanish, English, or Portuguese, English. And we all had this like dual identity slash role. And we all understood mm. what it meant to have this like biculturalism. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't odd. I had more culture shock when I went to college. Because mm. in college, that's where people were monolingual, didn't know very many Spanish people or people who spoke Spanish, had never heard the language before, which was like mm-hmm. bizarre to me. But to mm-hmm. me, it was like everyone obviously has heard Spanish, knows Spanish, knows of the culture and knows of the food. But I was like severely mistaken. I didn't realize how many people are so 100% within their own culture, within American culture, that they don't, they're not exposed to mm-hmm. the other groups that exist. Yeah, I think so. It's interesting because I grew up in a very diverse community, and even the neighborhood where I grew up is very diverse. And so we had a lot of, yes, Latinos, but we also had a lot of Portuguese, right? Migrants had been there for generations. But I will say, like, my elementary school, middle school experience, was very clicky. And I think that was like the Spanish Latino kids stuck together. And I think this is where I started seeing if I reflect back, like this idea of like wanting to be closer or feel close to home and what is home. Right. And so I felt more comfortable hanging out with, you know, the kids that were Ecuadorian, you know, Colombian and and Spanish speaking in general. And and we would talk and just relate. It was that like relatability. And so that actually carried out even in in college for me. And to your point, like it was a culture shock. It was a predominantly when I went in to Drew, predominantly white university. Mm -hmm. And so there was just so few of us. And again, I gravitated towards the Spanish speaking individuals. And so again, it it became clicky again all over, but I think it was because there was like this longing to to feel, I don't know, like a connectedness to home. And granted, I grew up in the US, even though I was born in France, I've been here since since I was three, but still there was this kind of like need or magnet to feel close to to folks that look like us, talk like us, (laughs) share the same similar foods. And so it was very interesting. For the first, I guess, eight years of grammar, of grammar school, it was the same group of people for like the eight years that it was so diverse. And like, I felt understood I guess mm-hmm. you can say like culturally like like no their their families were very similar to mine there was there was this level of functioning and understanding that existed but then in high school I had the opportunity to just be exposed to more separate from like the Latino and the mm-hmm. and the Portuguese culture you know I had my white friends too and it was just nice to see the differences that existed and at that point I was so sure of my identity and like of Mm. my culture that I didn't feel the need to mention it, that I felt like sometimes in with certain groups, as you said, it was like really clicky. It was like necessary to bring up your like Latino-ness. And I didn't feel the need to do that because I was like, I know that I'm Ecuadorian. Like I don't need 
to like tell everyone Mm -hmm. I know what I know. Like I don't deny I was in like my, my high school had Spanish for natives. I was in Spanish for natives class. Like I was taking, basically it's like grammar Mm -hmm. class, like English literature, but Spanish literature, Spanish Mm -hmm. grammar. Like that's what Spanish for natives was. So like I had that cup full. It was just like a nice little melting pot in college. I was exposed to even more people with very different backgrounds Mm -hmm. than mine. And I enjoyed that so much that I was always looking for people who were different than me because I was Mm -hmm. always interested in knowing what else there was separate from my, from my culture, but also the opportunity of being able to share with someone who's open about listening to my culture as, as open as I am to listening about theirs. Mm -hmm. And what I realized the, First gen experience is not exclusive to the Latinos and like the Portuguese kids. Mm-hmm. Like oh, yeah. it is, it is very much an experience for many countries. Mm-hmm. But because my only exposure was to like Latinos and Portuguese kids, my thought was, well, only we understand what it's like to be first gen kids. I'm not thinking about. Mm-hmm my Middle Eastern classmates. I'm not thinking about my European classmates. Mm -hmm. I'm not thinking like, and, and when it came down to having the conversation, it's like, our families are the same. Mm -hmm. We're more similar than different. Right. Right. So it was just like, nice to have that and be like, wow, it doesn't matter the language that you speak at home. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter like what our skin color is. The first gen experience is pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. For a lot of us and not exclusive to just let me know. And that was humbling because it was, it was something new that I, I didn't think was a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I have examples where one I'll use, I'll start with the one in the U S like, for example, I didn't grow up appreciating American football. Right. Like that. And even the Super Bowl, people go crazy. Ask me how many times I've watched a Super Bowl. I don't. I, I literally just turn it on when I know the halftime show is going to play mm-hmm. so I can see the performers. But that is very, I would venture to say, very American. Mm-hmm. And that is not something that I necessarily have adopted. And I actually go crazy for FIFA, for like the soccer, for the World Cup. Yeah. Right. And that's very, again, very Ecuadorian, very Latino. Not that Americans don't appreciate soccer. Yeah. But again, like there's like differences. Should I be liking American football more? Should I be into that sport? All right. So I have another example. So the other thing, which is interesting, like when you grow up here, like the things that your parents, and this is why I mean, like, I don't feel fully American, but I don't feel fully a Korean at times, but I think now I'm just fully everything. (laughs) And when I had to drive, I had to learn how to drive my first car. Interestingly enough, I was taught to drive a stick shift car okay Uh totally again totally in my opinion un-american like everyone here has an automatic car but the logic behind that was when you go back to Ecuador when you go to Latin America when you go anywhere in the world like you have to know how to drive this car and a stick shift car and I was the oddball and my first car was a stick shift for years by the way that hoopty yeah drove and my boyfriend couldn't drive it there's no drive stick shift. <laughs> Nobody else could touch it. My siblings, it was literally just like me that could use a car. But anyways, I, I just thought That's about that awesome. example too. 
That's awesome. I, I don't know how to drive a ship. And then I also remember when I lived in Ecuador. So I went to school for a year there. I spoke Spanish. Again, like, was very fluent. And I think it's less about me not feeling the quote-unquote 100% Right. Because like to your point, you feel very sure that, yeah, I'm Ecuadorian. I'm Ecuadorian enough. I, I like grew up eating all Ecuadorian food. My parents only speak Spanish at home. Like there's a lot that was preserved and them coming here and ensuring that we have that. But I think it's rather others that make you feel society, right? Societal that right. make you feel like you're not enough, either in this case, Ecuadorian and then American. So when I went to Ecuador for a year, I remember similarly that feeling of like wow I'm not Ecuadorian enough and it was because the kids like I was like a spectacle like me coming from the U.S. <laughs> the kid you know you're so innocent as kids so there's not like oh yeah you're one of us like it was more like wow you're an American and then you know there was like this fascination like I said like I felt like a spectacle to the kids they're like she's American she speaks English and then all the time, my entire year, I remember it was like, I was like a walking Google translate for these children. How do you say rock? How do you say, you know, the streets? How do you say Sachi Papa? How do you say like, it was literally everything and anything I was walking around translating for these kids, but it made me feel like, wow, am I really not, I'm not like seeing like I'm from here, even though like I love being at Quora and it was, it was very strange, but I, I, I got that feeling full force that I was not necessarily fully. And it wasn't something I did. It was just, like I said, like the people around you. Their perceptions of what, yeah. of what it means to be American <laughs> and like what it looks like versus mm-hmm. what it is. That happened to me, but I was grown. Like I was 24 years old when I was volunteering. I was one of the first like Ecuadorian volunteers at the center which is in Quito, right? Mm. So I remember be, when I was there, no one, there was confusion with some of the kids in like, she looks like us, she talks like us. There's no way that she came from the US. There's mm. no way that she came from the US. And for the longest time, like, because the other volunteers, their first language was English, except for Except for three of us, three of us, era un mexicano, un ecuatoriano, y un ecuatoriano, me. Our home languages, like we spoke Spanish mm-hmm. at home with our families. So our Spanish was like, when we would be with each other, we would speak to each other in Spanish, not in English. But if we were with our other volunteer friends, if we were in a private setting between, we would speak in English. But for the most part, the kids wouldn't hear us speaking in English. And then one day, I remember I was walking and I was talking to one of the volunteers in English and one of the students, one of the girls was like, <laughs> like shock, shock. And she was like, Señorita Sara, usted habla inglés. Le digo, sí. Dice, pero like, Confu- like just conceptually that it makes sense <laughs> just- like mind blown that I'm like oh. 
and they wouldn't tell everyone like she speaks English. And then, you know, it's like this guy speaks English too. And this guy speaks English too, but they look like us. So then like when I got to my class, my girls were like, pero si nas, donde naciste? I was like, in the Estados Unidos. Pero it is chiquita. <laughs> it is chiquita. Right. The stereotypes. Okay. Yeah, then. Right. And I was like, okay. Digo, donde uno nace no define el porte ni el color. Esos son los papás. Es genético. Mm -hmm. It has nothing, you know, like it has nothing to do with mm -hmm. the location. But the like, they were just like mind blown to the point where they're like, háblanos en inglés. Mm -hmm. No. Why? Because it felt like blasphemy. It felt wrong to speak to individuals who are of the same culture mm -hmm. in English when our language is Spanish. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I will never, I never spoke to them in English, which is why I had a really hard time teaching level three English, because it was like, instead of them trying to learn, they were just fascinated by the code switching of like, right. she just spoke in English and now she's speaking Spanish and her, and it's like two different tones. Your tone is different. Your, oh, yeah. your pitch is different your demeanor is different. Mm -hmm. So that was fun. But my, I mean, I almost fell off my chair when. when <laughs> chiquita. That is so great. Chiquita. Like, why are you so I'm small? Done. I love kids. They're so innocent. Oh man. But you know, sometimes too. And I, and I think this is first, you know, like, again, if you're not continuously exposed to like Spanish or utilizing it, you can forget. Yeah. And I've had that too. And and like, I, it's a joke in my house. Like I have my wires crossed because there's just three different languages, but it could be real. It, it could also just be that, you know, I forget the words and I'll, I'll never forget. I was in graduate school and again, very clicky me. I'm like, I feel home. And so like, I'm hanging out with all the Ecuadorians and the Latinos and, and speaking Spanish, which is beautiful perfect for me because otherwise I would forget the language I think if I wasn't this way and I was talking and I forget I was like in a group and I was trying to introduce someone in Spanish to someone else and I used the wrong word I think I said introducir like I just made up some instead of presentar te quiero presentar one of the individuals there laughed so hard at me and I'm like an adult. I was mortified, like embarrassed. Like, you know, and so there's this insecurity when like you're with, and this was a native speaker too. So yeah. that was the other thing that made me feel like, like, yeah. So there have been different points. I think if I remember different experiences that have challenged this feeling of, no, I feel 100% this and I feel 100% that. And so that's why, like, I thought it was such a beautiful concept though to use a 200%. And it's not, we're, we're a mix. We're like unicorns. We're unique. And to your point of like, when someone laughs at you, right? What a double standard. Because if someone who was learning English of our culture, right? Someone who's Spanish speaking was learning English. And if they made a mistake with a word and we laughed at them, and we said, whatever, you know, they say to us, if when we mm -hmm. make a mistake and it turned into something like that, we would be considered cruel. Right. For doing that. 
Like it's not nice. It's not a nice thing to do to someone. We don't get the same respect. And I'll, I'll venture to say respect. Yeah. We don't get the same respect and we don't get the same empathy in that. And it's like, like you should be better. You're, you're held to right. a different standard. You're held to a complete, like yeah. you're supposed to be like, just absolutely perfect. Perfect. And, and that's, that was annoying. Like growing up, if, if you made a mistake in the word that you were saying or what you meant to say, and then you would get made fun of for it and by like adults mm-hmm. and it made you sad, but it was like, they would just, it would just be funny. But like, if you corrected that same adult mm. for saying something wrong in English, and if you laughed at them the same way that they laughed at you, you would be considered very cruel and mean. The double standard that exists within that is, is hard. And it's important to be mindful of, of that double standard that exists that when people, any, any language, mm-hmm. when someone is, is struggling or they don't know how to say a word offer them the same level of respect and empathy that you would want because it's not early, it's not easy navigating a language as an adult right right like and to your point we're doing so much code switching like on and off like it's not like my head is only in spanish to be fair like it's english spanish and it's like mix of both so when the things don't come out it's not necessarily, I don't know the word. It's just like I said, like it's my the computer. The computer's a little, it's my wires are like, you know, cause we're so used to in and out, in and out, in and out. It's, it's hard. It's really hard. I find it now like with reading and like with my son, all I do is like books in Spanish. Mm-hmm. because My role is Spanish and my husband's is in English, but I noticed that like, there are certain things if like, like, for example, I was reading the hungry caterpillar for the millionth time and <laughs> it's in English. The copy that we have is in English mm-hmm. and I was reading it. My son was just happy looking at the pictures, but like he wasn't understanding what I was saying. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, let me translate this at the top of my head as best possible. It's not going to rhyme. It's not going to sound the same as this, but mm-hmm. like, and then it was like, oh, must <laughs> do it again. So I read the book like 10 times and I was like, okay, I'll do it in English and I do it in Spanish. But like, here I am looking up how to say caterpillar, how to say, yeah. how to say Girl, these words. That, I, like, I, I I'll Google all the time things all the time. You just don't use them that often or you forget, but. So caterpillar is oruga. Sí. <laughs> Esa canción en Encanto, no era con orugas? But like language is a very evolving thing Mm -hmm. and you should nurture it as much as possible and not make fun when someone is learning right? because it's part of who they are. If they're, if they're speaking the language, it's, it's part of their identity, right? Even if it's their second language, the role that I had um, prior to my job now you know, people would ask, you know, de dónde oh, del Ecuador. Oh, digo, sí, del Ecuador. Mis, mis papis son del Ecuador. I always mm-hmm. had to be like, sí, del Ecuador, mis papis son del Ecuador. Justification. Those are, right? And they'd yeah. be like, because then if I say del Ecuador, they're assuming that like I was born there and I lived there and like I came here when I was little and like that's not the reality. I wasn't born there. I was born here. 
So it's like, I'm mis papis son del Ecuador. And then like very, very, a very quick, you know, like, yes, it's Ecuador, mis papis, Ecuador, mi mami, Ecuador. Oh, y usted donde nació? Ah, yo nací aquí. And they look at you like, then you're not. Yes, this is what I'm telling you. It's a societal. You're not. And it's like, like society makes you feel insecure. I feel like, like I said, but like, it's so, it felt like betrayal. If someone asked, ¿De dónde es? De Estados Unidos. You'd be like, girl, <laughs> come on. Right. And that's not authentic to me. Cause yes, I was, I was born here. I identify, right. I'm a blue passport. I, 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 I identify as American, right. right? But in contrast, the Americans, if they asked you, what are they going to say? Where are you from? Right. If I said that, it's like, don't give me the, the, don't give me the, obviously. (laughs) Where are you actually from? Where are you actually from? Is what they're going to say, too. So so. (laughs) I've always gotten the whole, like. Ah, es que habla español muy bien. Sí, porque mis papas me enseñaron, right? Like. Same. Me dicen igual. Ah, pero usted habla como ecuatoriana mismo. Es que mis papas son. Gracias. Like, I, I don't really know, but even if I did, like, right. appreciate me. But again, because we're living in the United States, we're doing our best and trying our best being here while preserving our beautiful homeland language. I'll let my parents know. Right. But I get the same thing. And I think I'm also. Is similar boat. Like whenever I people ask me in español, Latinos, de donde es usted, donde es ecuatoriana, pero mis papis son de Ecuador. Like always, that's right. like the next it. like line. And then naturally enough, people ask, ¿y usted dónde nació? Right. And then I throw the wrench, nací en Francia. And they're like, oh, usted es francesa. Oh. And, and that kills me. Oh, usted es francesa. Hmm. Mis papis son ecuatorianos right. y estoy hablando en español. Like, there's so many right. things there, but so, but there's always, I feel like, this justification we have to do. But I think of your also, existence, of you but being. It stems for, for me, for me at least, right? It's like, I can't, like, it, it, it I can't say when someone asks, I'm something. I feel like that is giving and this may be wrong like like supporting the colonizer (laughs) and it's like yes i was born here i'm super proud to be born here i'm grateful you know but my i'm ecuadorian (laughs) like my my parents my upbringing my culture my my motherland culture my roots are ecuadorian you are from where your heart is from. Like so it's it's very hard. It's mm-hmm. it's it's a very hard thing. Like I am super yeah. grateful to be and I'm a naturalized citizen, right? So to be American, b- beautiful place has given me plenty of opportunity. I see like my my parents too, the economic mobility they had, the chance they had with their sacrifice to give me a better life. But I truly as first gen embrace and love and support Ecuador and, and my parents' homeland and, and where I'm from. And to your point, both my parents are Ecuadorian. So there's no denying you're Ecuadorian too. And so I think it's exhausting though, to be honest, like explaining 
where you're from, you're existing, like feeling like, I think it's the eyes. Like, I, honestly, it's not like a, a me thing. I think it's that insecurity stems when other people question like yeah. your identity. Yeah. That causes that like 50-50 and like, I don't fit here. I don't fit there. Like, I'm just me. And I speak two <laughs> languages and I can listen to music in two languages. Which is awesome. And I just enjoy living my life with like, biculturalism that exists mm-hmm. within it. I, I love that I can switch languages at in a, in like a millisecond. I can, mm-hmm. I can immediately switch and continue with my train of thought in a completely different language and then go back to the original language and I can yeah. go from in between and I can understand the, the, the difference in culture as well mm. from the American side and the Latino side because there are differences. Um, yeah. There are times where I'm like, how much of this is like me being upset because of my Latino culture and like, that's not how we function within Latino culture. And how much is this is like me not understanding that Americano culture is very different than Latino culture. And like, I shouldn't be getting upset. This Don't take this personally. Like this has, this is just mm-hmm. the way the culture is. It's not worse. It's not bad. Yeah. It's just, it's just di- very different than like the culture that we grew up with. Yeah. Well, it's uncomfortable because you are bringing like what we're saying, like the hundred percent Ecuadorianness into an American right. space, workplace, college space. I mean, all these new spaces where historically we may not have been present. So it is a little bit of a discomfort, I will say, in 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 melting those two worlds, right? Because that's not to say that there isn't a space for that, or the American culture doesn't welcome it, or the corporate setting. It's like, how do you acclimate almost yeah. to bring the best of both worlds yeah. into a how new version or anything? How do you navigate it in regards mm-hmm. to, like, I, I struggle with the navigation of, like, social norms, I guess. I guess that's the category that I would put it in. So, like, for mm-hmm. example, growing up, I was raised that when you see someone or you, or you, or you meet somebody, when you say hello... You don't say just like, hey, or hello. You say the person's name. Always, even if you've seen them like 50 Mm. million times, if you say, excuse me, you say the person's name. Whereas I found that it's not as necessary or it's not as common within American culture to say, good morning, X person's name. You just say morning. And it's like not rude, right? So, So things like that are a bit, jarring to me sometimes hmm. when you don't use the person like some sometimes I, I feel like a certain type of way if if my name isn't said and I'm just like hey and that's that that just comes from my mom being like no es hola hola que perro gato like no hola yes. my parents like, used to say, use the you, same and you say the person's phrase. name and like I can't say that it's more respectful or least respectful because it's definitely a cultural difference but those are the those are the greetings are different that, the way they those greet are the sorts mm. of things that like i i at times have to take a moment to pause and be like how much of this is a politeness thing and how much of this is like just different cultural norms and it has nothing to do with being polite or being yeah. put down or anything like it's not rude it's just this is this is how they are just like i yeah. use people's names and that's just like one example but that's that's kind of where I struggle with it more in like the social norms and like the social expectations of how I should function versus 
like the language and stuff like that is just yeah. the norms that are put in place in the different cultures. Agreed. The hosting thing is what would get me. Like we would have guests and I'm like, dude, you have to offer water. Like you have to order, yeah. offer a drink. You have to, you don't just have people <laughs> yeah, yeah. come in. Well, they can ask. Yeah. No, no, no. Like know. you have to right. be proactive. Again, I feel like that's so Ecuadorian, yeah. like us being so welcoming in our way. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Yeah. You offer, you offer, would you like anything to drink? Would you like some water? I'm sure there's a lot that we would just have to sit and think about, but like that has a lot to do with like our brains breaking sometimes socially. <laughs> That's yeah. why sometimes we're confused when we're we're like, ah, I don't know mm-hmm. how to. It's it's a difference of of that of all these different norms that you're navigating. It's not a language thing. It's it's mm-hmm. a norm. It's a norm thing. It's a cultural norm. Mm-hmm. When to be what in what space and. It's a difference of directness. I just thought of another example, like when if you're eating in a in a in a group setting and you bring your lunch or you have whatever, like if I have grapes or if I have like a, a fruit or or something that is shareable, right? And you're sitting with people, you offer. You always offer. You always right? you offer. offer it's Would you like some grapes? Like, is anyone? And so the person can say yes. And, you know, thank you yeah. so much. Or no, no, I'm okay. Or the part that's like jarring is when someone goes, no, I don't like that. And it's like, I didn't ask you if you liked it. I'm all type rude. That's type rude also. You, but again, it's like, you're being honest with me. Those yeah. are the sorts of things that like, you know, so what I learned was I noticed that people don't share their food. So when I have stuff, I don't offer anymore, depending on where I am. It depends on who you're with. It depends on who I'm with too. See, because I would, um, I would do that to you. I would share. Of course. But if I'm in a non. If I, right. Like we're sitting. So and there's still French <laughs> Latino, non-Hispanic side. And I'd be like, just mind my business. I'm not sharing my fries. <laughs> They're mine. Girl, girl I, I like, that's like totally code switching though. Like again, not even just the language, but to your point, the social norms. I had right. a big one. I had a really big one that I didn't realize was a thing until someone who's like purely one culture, one language pointed it out to me. And I was like, oh, we were at a kind of like a business type lunch in a, in a conference room. And I got up to get myself a bottle of water. And I had a colleague, a couple of colleagues next to me. So I got up to get my water and to get something else from the, from the area of food. I turned around and I said, would anyone like some water? And like two people say, yeah, yeah, thanks. Okay. Came back, here's your waters. And I sat down, proceeded to eat. I finished eating. So I was getting up to put my plate away and to throw out my stuff. And as I'm getting up, the norm part of me of being polite and getting up is turning around and saying, are you finished? Mm-hmm. I'll take that. I'm getting up. Yeah. Oh, sure. Thanks. No big deal. Garbage. Sat down, sat back down. Thought nothing of it. 
it's totally a normal thing that we do. Mm-hmm. My coworker leaving that meeting was like, come here, another woman. And she was like, don't ever do that again. I was like, do what? Like, <laughs> what did I do now? Or like, what did I say? Now? And she's like, first of all, as a woman, you hold space and you shouldn't diminish yourself to giving people water and taking their plates. But I didn't see it for me personally. Mm-hmm. I didn't see it as diminishing myself. I just saw it as being a human being who was courteous to coworkers. I didn't take it as like, a gender role thing. Yeah, I didn't take it yeah. as like me minimizing my professionalism and by me getting up and not offering, I would have felt rude. Right. By not offering literally. That's just how I am. She didn't reprimand me, but she was just like, don't, don't do that. But I get, it was like a huge cultural, just like, I don't know what to yeah. do. Like, honestly, I see her point and I appreciate like her looking out for me. But I didn't take it in any of the negative ways that she was saying it. The joys of living, like I said, (laughs) in a very diverse society where you're just trying to mix, embrace all types of cultures. And be you within a space, but like... Not feeling like you have to also play to other people's expectations of what should be. Right. And what I learned in that setting at that moment, like when she was telling me this and like, I, again, I appreciate her taking the time to like say it was I'm not in a space to pay the, play these games for me. I was being myself. I was being authentically myself. That is how I function in any space. If mm-hmm. someone wants to misconstrue it as like, she feels she needs to do this because she's a girl let them think that if they want to, you know, think that I'm less of a professional because of doing that, let them think that I'm not, but I I learned from that. I was like, I'm just going to be myself. I think what's starting to happen and with what you said with the 200%, I think we're all starting to no longer put percentages on people because it was always like how, well, I'm 50% this, I'm 25% that, I'm 25%, you know, I think we're getting towards, we're heading towards a direction of like, it's no longer percentages. It's like, this is who you are. Yeah. You can't put a number to it. And you are, you know, you're Ecuadorian American. You're not half Ecuadorian or my parents are Ecuadorian, but I'm from here. But I, you know, there's no more of that. It's just, this is what you're, you're Ecuadorian American period. Or- so there's so much complexities in how we label, identify ourselves and, I, I, I really appreciate her. I was not familiar with this term or right. this concept. And I was just like, this is so perfect because we are, we are complete. I'm a 200%er. To Becky, back to like Becky G's point in, in being 200%ers, I feel more at peace with that sort of definition mm-hmm. and that sort of outlook on the identity versus saying 50-50. 50-50 wasn't fair. Yeah. And that's probably why we felt incomplete mm-hmm. in either setting. Right. Right, right, right. I agree with you. All right. Well, on that note, <laughs> continue being your authentic self 
uh, embrace the, but I mean, really at the end of the day, I totally agree with the notion of being a 200 percenter and really embracing fully, you know, the best of both worlds. And if you're from more than both worlds, right, you might be from multiple places. I mean, you could be even biracial and have multiple identities going on in multiple cultures that you're celebrating. So it's really about bringing all of you to the table. Mm-hmm. And just a reminder, I, I say we're like our ancestors' wildest dreams, like the life that we are living here, being able to bring a piece of the homeland through us, within us, into every single space that we walk into is such a privilege and an honor. And I could not be more proud to be Ecuadorian and American and also born in France. <laughs> sure, there, there's a wholeness in that that's, that brings you like solace in knowing that you're you're that 200%. Cheers to that. See you folks next time. Thanks for listening.